Mike! Tell me something I don't know, Ump. Well, unlike that nasty curveball, there aren't any surprises when you finance your next car with Carvana. You get real terms personalized for you right in your strike zone. Really? Steeride! How am I supposed to focus when you're telling me about Carvana? Well, Slugger, you gotta keep your eye on the ball. Just like you can keep an eye on your customized down and monthly car payments. I can customize those? He's out and on his way to finance his next car with Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. May I loose my arrows of fury, my friend. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slap, slap, slap. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the Stuart at... Well, that was fucking dreadful. Podcast, a light-hearted look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend. Bramley Apples. Hello, guys. Hello. Happy New Year. Oh, I'm liking Happy New Year. Yeah, I love the I love the 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 is it a tracksuit top? Yeah, they're they're pretty exclusive. I feel like that's the whitest thing I've ever said in my life. Is it a tracksuit <laughs> top? Is it a shell suit? <laughs> <laughs> Happy yeah. New Year, mate. Happy New Year, sir. How are you? I'm do you know what? I'm I'm much better than I was yesterday. Yesterday left me for some reason. I think we started, me and you started day on almost opposite ends of the spectrum and finished it in the same opposite ends, as in you were really nervous. I didn't really give a shit because I was like, if we lose, I don't care as long as we see a good performance. And then at the end of the day, uh, I was I was devastated um, and you were you were fine. And I think this morning I feel a lot more clear headed about it. And I, I still I now ha- I'm back in the place where I I don't really care that we lost because we saw that amazing performance. I think it, it again, it's just the manner of the loss with it being completely out of our control. That's the, the hard pill to swallow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're recording this the day after uh, the morning after the Arsenal Man City game. Um, I, I, I do think it's always interesting kind of being people who analyse the game every single time, like, you know, and, and kind of get into that routine, how different games affect you and when when you're asked about the game, like sort of, you know, immediately post, uh, you know, a couple of hours post, the following morning, the, the week after, how that affects your sort of lens on the game. Mm. And I always think that's that's an interesting interesting thing to, to, to note, not only how you approach it, but what you talk about. And I often find the sort of the 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 you know it makes more sense that the sort of if you want to say reasoned analysis is 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 always the better analysis which I don't think it is sometimes actually in the moment you get the emotion of the game which is actually the reality of the game that you're frustrated mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's kind of um, over indexed how good well I'm gonna you know take a take a, a couple of days and come back to you on that you know it, that analysis is always going to be better actually. I don't always agree. I think it would have been fascinating for us to have a completely different podcast immediately post game, um, and yeah. it would have been a completely different, com- completely different conversation. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm similar to you, mate. I, I, um, my emotions changed a lot <laughs> during, during that game. Um, it was a very, it was a very visceral game. I was, I couldn't sit down for the whole second half. I literally couldn't sit down. I was eating breakfast, like because I've woken up a bit late. And I was like, I literally just pacing around my kitchen. 
And I think, and it's one of the signs, that this was a really significant game. Yeah. yeah. Because the fact that we're talking like this post a game against Man City, who, let's be clear, some we people think them. some people think are the greatest Premier League sides ever. Now, I, I, I'm not there yet, but I can understand people's arguments in terms of their prolificness with the title and all that sort of stuff. But the fact that we are having this discussion, considering where we were at the beginning of the season, considering where people have thought we were in our process, I think is is such, such a positive. That's my word of the game, but I'll come back to you on that. Absolutely. And it's, it's, a, it's a different mindset and it is a completely different team than the team that lost uh, 5-0 at the Etihad. Rob Holding has a new hairline. We have a new right back. Everything's looking different. Um, the two pillars of success. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, um, I think I do think you're absolutely right, and this brings me back to. Um, I can't remember when it was, but you said something like um, something needs to change. That this we can, or, or uh, something. It was uh, the old Arsenal needs to die or something, and we need to we need to evolve. No, no, no. But there was there was a certain phrase that you used that I can't pull out of my memory, and it was it was very specific. And I think we have seen that it's almost like a, a phoenix reborn from the ashes, um, and a new evolution of this Arsenal team. We. And and this this is where stat nonces get on my nerves. You have to mix the eye test with the stats to actually get a clear view of what happened. If you look at the XG, it looks like City well outperformed us. But they had a penalty that I think is contentious, whether it's a penalty, which counts for 0.79 of their XG. And we didn't have a penalty that we should have had that would have given us more XG. And we had the, you know, that we'll get onto the decisions and the refereeing in the match, but we, 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 on the eye test, fuck the stats. We, and, you know, this is backed up by Guardiola. This is backed up by so many of the interviews yesterday. And just my own personal opinion, we were the much better team. That is the best performance I've seen against a top, top side for about 10 years, if not more. And I mean, like, top top side this these you know like you say this team is in the conversation with the invincibles with the 2004-2005 chelsea team uh with the 99 united team for being the best this man city team to to clarify yeah 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 Yeah. not 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 the sarsenal team uh this man city (laughs) team that's changes soon (laughs) christ uh these these, these are the centurions for christ's sake like these are this is a big boy team. Pro- pro- this is for me one of the best three teams in in Europe. I think you go to PSG and you go to Man City, and they are the o- uh, and Bayern. I think they're the three teams that I think Liverpool on their day could be could be in there as well. But you know, to give that level of performance against this side, I'm I'm so unbelievably proud. I felt like a bit of a dad last last. I think that's why I was so devastated last night after the game and that's why I was so kind of dejected from it because I felt so bad for these young guys and uh yeah I, my my word of the game is pride it this this match for me restored so much pride I have in my club uh I I'm I, I am so happy you can't you kind of more than you believe <laughs> yeah mate I I, I... 
and I feel that off you as well. Like it, it, there is a there is a true pride in this in this result and in this victory. And and I just I invite everyone to go think how you felt and how robbed you felt at full time. Mm. That's not that's not normal against these sides. That's really not normal. That's not normal for where this team is, the youngest team in the league. There was a um, there's been a couple of comments this week about. How we shouldn't, um, I'm going to use the same word again, over-index. We shouldn't over-index the fact that this is the you know, youngest team in the league. We shouldn't always use that as an excuse. I think I think we forget it. I, I honestly think it's not It's not talked about enough how young uh-huh. this side is, how how actually inexperienced, how, you know, you look at that sort of first 11 and how many people in that first 11 are in their second season with Arsenal, first season with Arsenal, yep. have had less than, a, less than a season of Premier League minutes. You know, all of these people and and we have to remember that we, we can go out and we can do that. And now that is that is the benchmark. And and, and as I said, more of the mm-hmm. game is positive because I am taking nothing but positives from this game. Yep. It was frustrating in the moment. Let we'll talk about the refereeing decisions just after this and sort of get that out of the way. But I just feel there is nothing but positives to take from this. Like I, I really don't think this I don't think anyone can be coming away from that feeling anything but as you say, I think that's a, a great word of the game, mate. Just pride in, in the team and in the, in the lads. <laughs> and I think a game like this has restored so much post a couple of hard seasons. Yeah. Uh, like that's, we've been in the trenches, mate. This time yeah. last year, we were, we were barely off the back of talking about what happens if we get relegated. What a difference 12 months makes. We are one point off of... Uh, in 2021, equaling Liverpool's points tally for the year. We are um, six points off of Chelsea, but they have played one more game than us. In, they and had played one more game than us in 2020. going on fucking uh, yeah. strike. <laughs> and I think we were, God, like 20-something points off City, but they'd played three more games than us, you know? So the the fact that... I think the turnaround has been unbelievable. And... I, I'm massively eating my words. You know, I sent you a, a jokey text yesterday about um, Martinelli saying, remember when you said Martinelli, uh, you didn't understand the hype. And he said, remember when you called for Arteta's head? And I think, <laughs> I, th- I think, yeah, absolutely fair. But I think the weird thing about it is when I called for it, it was justified. And that was only a couple of months ago. We were looking you had terrible. You definitely had reasons. Like there yeah. were there were there were actual reasons and conversations to be like, should we sack our manager? And within three months, we've outplayed the best team in the country, possibly the best team in the world right now. It, the The turnaround is sensational. Um, mm-hmm. And props to Mikel. Props to the whole coaching staff. Props to the also the setup. The the hierarchy because I think that this is a moment where you have to give the Cronkies the board credit because they had big balls of steel and they sat on this decision and and they Mm -hmm. went nope we're gonna we're gonna stick with this and so far it's paying off it's really paying off and Mm. this also proves that sometimes one that things can change very very easily but two sometimes you just might be wrong and that's okay you put the pride back in it, not Gazidis. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and there's a kind of parallel, I think, between between the referees where we'll talk about them now. But I think there's a... Mm. Sometimes I, I kind of temper my frustration with referees because I think it is a hard job 
and also they only get sort of spoken about or sort of most of the time in sort of in the mainstream media they get spoken about in pejorative terms essentially they get spoken about when they've made a mistake it's rarely what a refereeing performance today from Paul Tierney do you know what I mean it's it's that rarely happens man of the match Paul Tierney that never sort of sort of goes on it is is usually when there's a VAR mistake or something goes on now that's slightly natural but I think there's a sort of parallel there where actually you know the board and the manager and um no less the manager sort of the board and the ownership structure and the the executive level rarely get spoken about in sort of in sort of positive terms when things are going right on the pitch it tends to be the sort of players but when when things are going wrong we all look up or we all go what's going on with the ball you know this is the conkies whatever so as you say i think you're absolutely right to, to to draw to draw credit to them let's do it then the refereeing um i want to just may i say our things get it out and then move on because i i, I actually i actually i really struggle with the kind of whole blaming the referees thing but let's go ahead and, and not may say I what lose you're doing, my but, arrows of oh. fury my friend yes sir what a lovely phrase um i am starting i i think this is one of two things incompetence or corruption and i think because of the no 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 but and i think genuinely because i think that we see this so much it has to be one of those two things it can't just be i had an off day this this uh, and I think it is the um, the former rather than the latter, uh, because we're seeing it so much across so many different matches. Uh, you know, I watched every game of football yesterday. There's a moment where Jao Pedro's streaming through on on the the Spurs defense does two people is being pulled back, and instead of letting the move continue to the point where a, a a proper foul is given, he calls it back for a free kick, and Jao Pedro's through a goal. You know, a terrible decision that that changes the landscape of the game, not to, in comparison to the ones in ours. And I think what we now need is is reform. I think we need to start paying referees a lot more money. Yep. Then a lot more higher quality candidates will apply, will train and will do it. And that will help sort some of the issues. I think we need to disband the PGMOL because I think it's clear now that their only job is to hide the mistakes of referees and back them up. Peter Walton was chatting some absolute wham yesterday saying for one that you have to slow it down and show a specific and- angle for the Odegaard decision to sh- to show it's a penalty and then saying oh yeah but then you need to slow you, you know then the referee slows it down and shows the right angle to show the shirt pull uh, and says for the Odegaard decision well we shouldn't be having to get into the minutiary details to give a penalty but then is supporting the fact that they went into the minutiary details of a specific speed and camera angle for the for the um, Bernardo Silva decision. It, it's it's strange. It's very, very, very strange. I think we, we need reform. We need a new refereeing system. And it is no surprise that none of our referees in this country tend to be trusted with the big occasions and haven't been for a long, long time. And this has a massive, massive impact on football clubs. I tweeted this out. I lost my head yesterday. I was fuming. But I really don't think it's long before the Premier League clubs come together and demand change because the one of the biggest butterfly effects in football has got to be, you know, the the Bournemouth relegation. Mm. You know, in a game, Sheffield United versus Villa, they forget to turn on 
the the goal line technology what in what sport that grosses billions of pounds a year where people are paid hundreds of thousands of pounds with like these are monoliths of institutions Mm. somebody just forgets to turn on the vital piece of technology To, to, to pull a parable that is like a doctor going into surgery and forgetting to turn on the anesthetic machine and then slicing into you and you're awake like it's 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 didn't someone forget to turn up yesterday yeah, uh, the, well, something the happened. Fourth official, well, the fourth official was late because he was stuck in traffic. Brilliant. <laughs> and I, listen, I don't, I don't know what referees are paid comparatively. Well, I can tell to, you. Do you want to know? Players. Just looked it up. Yeah, go on. Officials in England's top flight can earn as much as seventy thousand per year. They are paid a basic yearly retainer of between thirty-eight and a half thousand and forty-two thousand based on their experience officiating, and they earn one thousand one hundred fifty pounds per match on top of that, according to Goal. So there's a referee who earns in a year what someone running past him earns in a week, in a day. In a week. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that that does need to change in the Premier League, definitely. But I don't think that's long before it'll happen because you you just have to look at the fact that Bournemouth have been relegated now for two seasons because Sheffield United didn't get a goal and win a match that was obviously a goal. And that's cost them... I think it's a, a nearly three hundred million pounds because we the, wouldn't have Ramsdale, league. Brad. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't really care. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't care about Bournemouth, but um, harsh. Uh, but it's it, that's cost that club three hundred million pounds. That's my hometown, and that is is such a vast amount of money to a, to a club like Bournemouth. It really will not be long before before clubs band together to demand change in this. And, you know, I saw shouts yesterday of, of people saying that the ref didn't lose control of the game, right? The referee at one point had a go at a ball boy, which he has zero jurisdiction over because he was trying to give the ball to the Arsenal goalkeeper because he didn't know it was a corner kick. And he was almost like he was trying to book the poor kid right and people are saying that he didn't lose control he was have he was getting angry at a ball boy the man lost his head the moment the bernardo silver dive was shown on the big screens and you know you only have to look at moments like rodri committing his fourth or fifth foul saka coming over to say listen mate what the fuck's going on and saka getting booked uh, Gabriel getting two yellow cards in in you know forty five seconds. Now listen, that Gabriel second tackle is stupid, but that's his first foul of the game. And any good referee who understands what his job is, and that is to be invisible, to be a custodian of the game for that ninety minutes, to not be in the way and to allow the game to flow, would go over to that player who's only committed one foul and who you've given an unbelievably soft yellow card to, and say that is your last chance. That is it. I've given you a soft yellow card. I'll let you get away with this one. Let's move on with the game. And there would still be contention after it about whether he should have gotten that second yellow card. But that's good refereeing that allows the game to flourish. And then the final thing I want to mention that is so unbelievably stupid is he's in the way of Martinelli. If you watch that back, he's bending his run to have to go round him. It's like and a prime Lampard. <laughs> the only reason he's so close to the goal is to see if it crosses the line. 
He has a watch on his wrist with goal line technology that will tell him if it's crossed the line. He doesn't need to be there. And if all of these things don't add together and just scream of, of people who are not good enough at their job, I, I don't know what is. And unfortunately, they seem to have been infected with this air of I can never be questioned. I am unquestionable. And it's it, it stems from the PGMOL backing every decision these guys make. The only reason that we call for these people to be interviewed after games is because of how often they fuck up. That's the only reason. And that's mad when you think about it. In the biggest sport in the world that brings in the most money in the world, that brings in the most viewership in the world, we're having to ask in the most popular league in the world to interview our referees to make them justify decisions because they're so shit. How, what what sort of, of cognitive dissonance is going through the Premier League's or the FA organization's head where they can see this happening and not institute a change? Five yellows and a red for 11 fouls today for Arsenal. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you covered a lot of the ground I wanted to, mate. I mean, <laughs> there is a kind of comedic avenue to go down with like, it is just the same 12 bold geezers. Do you know what I mean? It's like Mike Dean, Michael Oliver, Kevin Friend. It's the same dudes the every same. year. They're all old. They're, dead. they're middle-aged dads. They're, they're, they're yeah. middle-aged dads. Stuart Atwell was demoted from the Premier League for four years. If I get sacked from my job at Argos, they're not going to hire me back four years later. They might, mate. Believe in yourself. Um, but they, yeah, I, I just, I, I, yeah, I agree with a lot, a lot of what you said. I, I only want to add a few more things. I think you have to consider overall, what is the point of refereeing? Why do you have a referee in a game? Like, what is the point of a referee when we have all this video technology? Like, serious question. Genuinely, what's the point? Because otherwise, we could just, you know, there could be someone off off the pitch who blows a whistle and says, we're just reviewing something that's happening, and they can sort of officiate themselves. Now, that wouldn't work, because there's little moments in a game, there's little things that need to be questioned, players need to have someone on the pitch that they can refer to, there needs to be a sense of accountability, all sorts of stuff. There is a reason why you have an on-pitch referee. But an on-pitch referee is not there to do anything other than to facilitate the game. If you're sending someone off, it has to be, has to be, if not, the rules need changing for serious foul play. Now, if you're scuffing the penalty spot, it's foul play. Yeah, you shouldn't be doing that. You should get speaking to. And for the second uh, for the second yellow one, Gabriel, by the way, Aaron Ramsdale did that and didn't get a yellow. So there's inconsistency already. Mm-hmm. And for the for the second one, if you actually watch it, Edison pings the ball into Jesus and I don't think Gabriel thinks he's going to control it because it's an unbelievable pick out and an unbelievable bit of control. I think Gabriel just gets spun. Now, as a referee, you have to recognise these situations and understand that, is it worth me ruining the product of the Premier League? And let's be clear, these guys work for the Premier League. They work for the PGMO and the FA and they work for the authorities that look after and regulate this game. Is it worth me ruining this game and removing the opportunity for 60,000 people here and millions of people at home to watch a great product on TV? Is that is it worth me doing that? Has this guy done two things that facilitate that happening? The answer is no. And then the second no. thing, and, 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 and other games, it may happen. The other thing is the inconsistency. You're always going to get well, why is this a red and this not a red between games? That's going to happen, right? I, I don't I don't see a way you could do that 
or, for, or you could you can try and regulate it, but there's always going to be a bit of, well, that was a red in this game. Well, two seasons ago, this was a red and now it isn't, et cetera, et cetera. What I cannot stand is inconsistency in the same game, in the same yeah. game, which we saw with the VAR. That has to stop. That's, that's and I, you know, you can go back and forth on certain incidents. That's basic. Yeah, basic. Ab- absolutely. You can go back and forth on certain incidents and talk about the Gabrielle thing, talk about the Edison, you know, and, and there's different arguments and, you know, I sit on one side and I'm sure other people sit on others and, and whatever, to be honest. I, I, I sort of don't care about that. What I care about more is the, the basics of the inconsistency and the spirit that the referee should be allowing in the game. That is the point. That is the thing that fans get frustrated at, that you are ruining the opportunity to see two of the highest level teams in the league right now go at each other and have a fair contest. Do you really think Gabriel deserved a sending off for those two incidents? He deserved a talking to and it was a foul. He deserved it a was yellow a card. It, for those two incidents together, he deserves a yellow card absolutely. not to be sent off. Absolutely. And when you consider these two things, like you say, they ruin again. A penalty is the best opportunity to score a goal. 79% of penalties are scored, which is why it's worth 0.79 XG. Maths, bitch. Like it is the biggest opportunity to score, a, to score a goal and change a game. So to get one, you have to deserve it. And not only do you have to deserve it, to get one, for, in my opinion, every penalty decision should be reviewed by the on-field referee at the pitch side monitor. It's not that some shouldn't and some should. Everyone should, every single one, because the thing that baffles me about VAR and the way it's being implemented currently, and I want to move on from this because I'm bored talking about absolute bald idiots, is (laughs) the fact that they say clear and obvious error. The VAR referee, fucking whoever it was yesterday, saw that Edison got none of the ball and got all of Erdegaard's foot. The referee didn't see that. That's a clear and obvious error. But because it wasn't so blatantly clear and obvious, didn't change the decision, the on-field decision or give um, a word to the referee to, to, to kind of send him over and have a look. Every error that you notice is clear and obvious. That is basic English language and linguistics. There's no room for detail. If I notice an error that you make, it's clear and obvious because I've managed to fucking notice it. It's not hidden. I can see it. And that is why we have angles. And that's literally why we have a VAR is to notice those errors. And then in the second decision, the penalty for Bernardo Silva... In the commentary I was watching, this is again a bit of a conjecture klaxon because I don't know if they were correct, but they were saying that the words that they were hearing in the conversation between the VAR and the actual referee was that it was the the pull on the shirt that was the, the, the and that he pulled him down, and that was the reason that he sent him over to VAR. He's already going down, and he put it's stupid from Xhaka. Don't give them the opportunity. If he's already going down or he's already going past you, don't pull his shirt. Just don't do it. It's absolutely moronic. But he's already going down. If anything, you could argue, Xhaka's trying to keep him up. He's like, already waving it away when he's, he's just, yeah. Like, it's so, honestly, it's, yep. it's baffling. It's baffling. But can we move on? Because I'm so bored of talking yeah, about let's, these let's, idiots. Yeah, let's... Let's just actually ju- talk we, about the positives of Arsenal. Let's do another 15 minutes on it. So, <laughs> yeah, 
more accountability needed, more diversity needed in the in the refereeing, pay them better, support them better, and give them the technology and make some consistency. Because you're ruining oh, the product. No. You're ruining the game. Right, Bramley. Lineups. Uh the only thing to really to pick out was the fullbacks for City. Um I did think AKV Saka was was always going to be an interesting one and it and it turned out to be. And I thought the fact they didn't have Walker on the recovery pace um allowed allowed Martinelli a lot for us. Allowed a lot for yeah. Martinelli. And in terms of the start, that was what was happening. I, I often find that we we start most games by trying to pick out Saka or sometimes it's Pepe if he plays, but or Martinelli or Tomiyasu on the right hand side. We appear to be trying to win it in wide areas from a Ramsdale long kick, sort of early doors. And we were getting some joy, and there was some there was some real joy. Saka is, you know, I can't, I, I don't, I, I have no more words to describe how good this boy is at football. Um, but we were getting some joy, and there was a free header early on um, from that bit of pressure, uh, and it was um, Laporte. Oh no, sorry, that was the for them. Sorry, ignore me. Um, uh, yeah, th- those bits of pressure, I-, I think, were really important. And-, and Marcelli was getting some joy. There was a couple of moments where he got down on the, the left-hand side. Saka was doing well to keep the ball. Um, and I think noticing in a game where the areas are to exploit and then exploiting them is good in-game intelligence. I think at times in the past, we've seen a bit of a weakness, but then kind of been so rigid to the plan, especially under Arteta, that we don't we don't notice that. Or we see, for example, that Tierney's got the run on their right back, for example. And then we don't actually I remember being mm. really frustrated about it about this time last year when um um around the the West Brom game or there was a game before it or something around then as I mean like the Brighton nil nil or something like that. I remember being really frustrated that someone had the run on someone, I think it was Tierney, and just didn't didn't take advantage of it. And that's another development in this team that I see where we started to see, oh actually there's a there's a there's a duel here that we can win consistently, and that's Saka and Ake, and that's Gab, uh, Martinelli and, and Cancelo. And Cancelo's a fantastic player, but his defensive capabilities are just not as good as him inverting and, and coming forward. So, and he was on his, um, I think he's is he a, is he a left back playing as a right back or the other way around? Cancelo, yeah, right back. He's a right back that's played at left back this season. Okay, right, right. Um, yeah, I mean he can play anywhere, but you know, yeah, I just I I, I enjoy the fact that that we are able to with that that feels like the next phase of this development of this team um and we've started to do that is exploit the weaknesses a bit more of the opposition mm-hmm. um go on. uh yeah I, I i really agree and i think that props has to go out to thomas party like what a performance in the in the in the center of the park i that it was like he was wearing an atletico madrid shirt i i, I just couldn't understand it he, he that I think that's what we expected when we signed him. And if that's what we've got moving forward, uh, amazing. But I just find it so typical that it's happening on his last game before he goes off to yeah. the African Cup of Nations. He was, he was honestly, he was sensational. His game by numbers, uh, 15 jewels contested, 9-1, 8 ball recoveries, 6 take-ons, um, completed, uh, 4 tackles, a chance created an interception. But that that does not, and it's the same as the kind of the as you would refer to them stat nonces. Um, it's it, that does not capture the importance that he had to this team yesterday. Um, he was sensational in terms of his um, something City do very very well is they play themselves out of danger really swiftly and really and they execute that really cleanly. 
and Partey facilitates that for us. He allows us to to work our way out of, out of tight, tight areas. He was turning really well on the half turn. He was spraying balls nicely. His he was mixing up his distribution. He was strong in the tackle. He was consistent. He was always available. When you have a performance like that, especially from a senior player. It, it it's almost the, the the pole in the tent that allows everyone else to to sort of flourish underneath it, and I, I just thought he was he was yeah it, we we were I'm just there's a there's a party party joke which yeah that mm. we're too tired to make first thing in the morning <laughs> no um, I was going to say we're too good for it but we're definitely not are we um, of course not mate of course not of course um, not. Uh, I think that whole kind of midfield triangle did really, really well at points. You know, Erdegaard was covering Rodri really well, not allowing to, him to progress the ball as, as freely and as frequently as he does. Uh, Lacazette, if you include him in that, I did a, did a really good job yesterday. You know, there has been, an, there has been, we said it earlier, an evolution to this team that I've not seen. I've never seen a team go in the space of a season. And and I don't think anyone could have predicted this. That's gone from being so completely unable to compete at points to being able to compete with the best team in the country. Yeah. I was that think, turnaround I was, is, is magnificent. I was thinking this. Are we Arsenal-centric? Or can you think of another team in recent years who have had a turnaround during the season that's this dramatic? Yeah, no. Like I, I can't, and, and it's, def- can't. it's definitely probably because I don't watch enough other than Arsenal. But I, 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 I think it has to be up there with one of the. I think it has to be maybe the greatest sporting achievement of all time. Maybe of all time. Yeah, uh, no, but like <laughs> it, it has to be certainly last two three years in the Premier League. One of the biggest turns around uh, turnarounds I, I've I've seen it, and it's yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, yeah, as I say, party getting stuck in delivering balls really really crisply. I thought. Sterling was being dealt with fantastically by Tommy Asu. We were playing through the thirds brilliantly. Mate, the props, props to him. The man had one training session. I'm sorry. After the game, Guardiola was bitching and moaning about all the plays he's got out and this and that when he's got £200 million sitting on the bench. Our right back had one training session Yep, and covered Sterling like it was nothing. 100% it was ground jewels. I also don't buy that. I watched the post-match for Pep and he said, he said um, like we weren't fit. And I was like, well, Foden, Foden's on your bench. Grealish is on your bench. Like the, the only people who, like Rodri hadn't played. Uh, yeah. I think the only person who played in their front three was Jesus. I don't, I don't buy that. So I, it's I, just I, bullshit. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's I, a lie. I don't really buy it. So, and I just thought, yeah, Tommy Asu was, was, was literally, 16 million pounds 16 million pounds we paid we paid twice over twice that for Skodran Mustafi Cave Sky Cave where are you let's be having you what are you talking about (laughs) we need that as a jingle on the on the show I watched it the other day her voice crack is so funny it's like where are you let's be having you Um, uh, some of the balls over the top to Martinelli from Ramsdale was fantastic the press has come from nowhere and and it's nice and coordinated it's it's simple it's clear we're we're just playing some fantastic football and I think when it's when it's on it's on when it's on it's on Um, 
uh, there was you know, I thought I thought sort of the early periods there was some slightly concerning balls in from the half spaces from City I think like that that De Bruyne whip and the you know there was some, some balls in I think it was a chance for Ruben Diaz to potentially put it in um, from a header but their City mate they just got that quality and they can make a yard of space the penalty incident I, I'm not I'm less interested in the sort of refereeing side of things um, I thought um, and maybe that's the only angle we can we can take on it I I I felt as though it could come back to bite us. Um, it did. Mm. <laughs> uh, and I'll be honest, when I first saw it, I thought it was a bit of a... could go either way. And it's one of those where, like, again, if you slow it down, you can see the Edison's boot touch Erdegaard's and you could say, well, he takes his foot out. But also if you watch it in full time uh, like like what's the word um not in slow motion full full motion that's not a phrase top motion shut up alex um he does he does get the ball but then i also hate the argument of like he got the ball because you could punch someone in the face and nick the ball off them like, i don't i don't get this whole like you know get the ball argument i just i want to say i find a lot of these incidents very like yeah i i can see it going both ways so i wasn't too aggrieved by it i don't know how yeah, you felt. i don't know i don't know i i don't think i thought it was a penalty uh, straight away, mainly because I was going to shout for a penalty even if he won the ball and took it cleanly. Uh, he takes the foot first, and if you if you take if you take the player first, it's not a clean tackle; it's a foul; it's a penalty. Uh, I think it's a bit naive from Erdegaard. I think he should just shoot with his right foot. Yeah, I'm watching it now. That's he's something he, he, he has a heavy he touch has to work on. Yeah, it's a heavy touch, and he has to. It, that opportunity is perfect for a cross goal, right footed shot. Yeah, and he either doesn't have the the technical ability in that right foot yet because he does is very left foot dominant um that's that's something that needs working on because an opportunity like that, I would rather him have taken the shot than try to go, try to kind of go for a penalty yeah uh, in that because it's it's such a good opportunity and it's such a shame that we didn't have Smith Rowe there or somebody who was right footed there to just take that yeah. really but um, yeah, I think it's a clear I think it is on review a clear penalty uh, it's baffling that Edison's got away with two of those in in three games and that pe- somebody just hasn't gone to review it but uh, you know the game is done if my grandmother and I, I if if my grandmother had wheels if my grandmother had wheels she would have been a bike okay uh the goal, um, the kind of crisp passing that we were talking about, and the kind of the the, the triangles were appearing were, were were exactly the sort of facilitator of this goal. There's a good bit mm-hmm. of interplay in the middle between Partey, Xhaka, um, and I think it's Erdegaard. Erdegaard sprays out to Tierney, and City are so compact; they're giving Tierney time, time and space. It's a it's a good ball in. I think he's trying to pick out Lacazette, and Saka appears from nowhere. And it's a great goal. I'll be honest, mate. I don't really remember much after that because I was on such a high <laughs> as in post yeah, like, oh, sort of mate. five minutes post the goal. I, limbs. I, I was just limbs. I was like, ah! and I was watching it with two Liverpool fans, um, which wasn't really maybe the best place to be watching it with. But um, it was, it was, it was just, it was, it was a great moment. Were they buzzing? I bet they were buzzing. Uh, they were just like, oh, nice goal. You know when you're watching it with people who don't like you don't get it. You don't get it, man. You don't you don't understand our boy Bukayo Saka. It's a good finish, and he just continues his rise. I mean, there is literally nothing else to say on the boy. Go 
check all of our previous podcasts. I mean, just unbelievable. Um, I did feel for Carlos Cuesta because I imagine he... What's that thing about like how many average words you speak in a day? It's like 4,000 or something. He must have... Him and Mikel, I mean, he, he literally couldn't talk fast enough. I was just every time I saw him, it's just like just like speaking. The man, the man has definitely got a perforated eardrum. Mikel has definitely smashed something in his house after watching that. Like I said, it full time. I would not like to be one of Mikel Arteta's soft furnishings today. I mean, no. he must have been absolutely raging. But yeah, like, um, uh, yeah, um. One more thing before we sort of move to the second half. Bernardo Silva, honestly, plays like it's five aside. He has no position. Pops up on the right, pops up on the left, pops up in the centre forward position, pops up taking the ball off the keeper. He plays like me, mate. He's just like, do you know what? Just going to come back here and get over here. Drift over to the left, come to the right. No defensive responsibilities. Great stuff. Um, Second half, four players on Saka. And that was a great little image. I loved that. Um, and good to see, you know, City giving him the respect he deserves, putting the respect on his name. Uh, and then we had the penalty incident. Which, again, I'm I'm sat here going, I can see how it can be a penalty. I can see how it isn't a penalty. I'm more frustrated at the fact that Xhaka gives them the opportunity and I think it is a bit of a reputation yeah. thing and a bit of a kind of we've got to move on from it's Xhaka a, thing it's a stinky dive it is a stinky dive but also he's got his shirt on it and once you grab the shirt yeah, like, but no, it's just but, like... you, but you do watch you do watch Bernardo Silva go down and then arch his back like a porn star and flop on the floor <laughs> like you know there is there is certain there are certain it is a stinky dive as well as a stupid decision both things can exist Xhaka should not. It is a brain dead moment that once he's passed him, especially because you've stuck your leg out. I think the the City one's more contentious than the Arsenal one. Uh, I think the Arsenal one definitely should have been a penalty. I think this one is 50-50. Once he's gone over the leg or made the decision to go over the leg, I think that's the moment that you that they should contend. But Xhaka gives them a second moment by grabbing his shirt. And it's it's stupid. It's not a penalty because he's already going down when he's grabbed his shirt. You could make the same argument that he's trying to keep him up or that, that he is that he's trying to pull him down. It's 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 weird, but I think that that and other moments that we've seen, Xhaka occasionally does just lose his brain cells. And, you know, it's like when we went down to 10 men and he started full pressing the keeper, forgetting that he can't run. And so was out of position on, on the on the track back. You know, we we there is a definite upgrade needed in in the centre of the park. And the, the quicker we do that, the, the better. And I, I said to you, with the way that we're playing right now, if we get that, our shit done in January... There's no reason that we can't we can't get top four. Tottenham stank out a victory against Watford yesterday. Stank out a victory against Watford. Um, United are looking. Is that a covert message? The shambles. Stan K out. You still want the owners out? <laughs> honestly, um, I think that United are still in the mess that they were in the Oli because it's not just it wasn't just the manager thing it's a players thing they've obviously got a real deep-rooted issue with the culture this is a perfect opportunity for us to take advantage and little upgrades like keeping Xhaka in the squad but getting somebody who just keeps his head would really help us it would gain us points every season yeah yeah I wrote down I wrote down that is the next phase of this team 
That's all I wrote down because it's like it's it's not doing that, and it is ultimately a personnel issue, and it is Xhaka, and you just go for goodness' sake again, again, another one, and and we know it's going to happen. And look, if you give mm-hmm. Xhaka the, uh, I'm bored of saying it. If you give Xhaka the ball in the right zones, he's a decent enough player. But we have to move on from him, and there's nothing more to say on it. I can't be bothered. Um, yep. The Martinelli miss from the header back, referee running like prime Lampard. Uh, that was that was a. But again, these these are the moments. Say we put that ball in, and it goes two one, and we're sat here post a two one victory over Gab- yeah. over the Gabriel does get sent off. Like, and I, I appreciate. Yes, of course, it is a little bit. If my grandmother had wheels, she would have been a. No, but these, I get the thing, that. Wait, but... I, I think that is it's I, it. Doing that all the time is so reductive. Because sometimes you have to talk about those things that didn't happen, weren't given, yeah. because they're the biggest talking points of the game. We're not talking mostly. We've, we've spent over half of this podcast currently talking about the refereeing decisions because they unfortunately are the things that changed the game, ruined the game, influenced the game, mm. whatever you want to say. Like like you, you talk about, oh, if that fucking Sheffield United goal is given and Bournemouth aren't relegated and Villa go down is, is the same thing if my grandmother had wheels. But it's massive, massive decisions that have massive, massive ramifications on a club. Yeah. If we miss out on top four by a point because we didn't get a draw because of some or a win because of some of the decisions made today and we miss out on Champions League football because of it, that has a, that has an impact on our football club that costs hundreds of millions of pounds. Yeah, it's big decisions. It's massive. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I do agree. Um, yeah, it was a really frustrating miss. I, th- I do think Martinelli should do better, even even if the referee's in his way. But yeah, anyway. Um, and then the red happens. Um, the the one the one thing that frustrate <coughs> frustrated me about it a little bit. Oh, he coughed. Um, is it's the exact same challenge that do you remember when Gabriel got sent off against Southampton yeah. Southampton yeah it's the exact same challenge so I, I would like to see that not happening again because he tends to, I think from a sort of football coach's perspective I mean you know I'd, I'd need to defer to someone who knows more than me but I imagine he's a little bit heavy on his feet in that position I'd want to I'd want to see him slightly his, his, his sort of his his balance a bit further back he's a little bit He's a big boy, is Gabriel, and I feel like whatever he does, he's have to, he's going to have to turn, and he's he's not in a position to turn very quickly. So if he gets spun, even if he didn't foul him, he was always going to be left with space in behind. So I do think it was just a bit of call it an experience, call it a lack of something, whatever you want to call it. But I I, I did I did feel as though he's too tight. Yeah, he's too tight, and he put himself in that position, and and. And it's the wrong decision. The referee shouldn't send him off. And I stand by what I said. But again, don't give them the opportunity to send you off. Don't give them the opportunity to give them penalties. It's the things um, yeah. uh, Stoivenberg said in his, his post-match. We have to be smarter. We have to say. And, and and I think, you know, there's a kind of discipline issue that I want to come on to at the club. There's 11 red cards in the Premier League for Arsenal since Mikel Arteta took over. That's that's the most for any anyone. And the uh, the biggest, uh, the, the highest tally other than that is seven. And Arsenal have become the first side in Premier League history to receive a hundred red cards, which is more, yeah, as I say, more than any other side since his uh, first game in charge. And I, I do think there is a sort of systemic thing to discuss here in terms of something I said. I think it was either the last episode, or the episode before, where Arsenal are changing the perception of him, of them, and and games like this will help to do that because I think some of these are reputation red cards, I, and I believe that is a thing. 
And some of these are you can kick Arsenal and Arsenal now are responding to that. And it's like the it's like the kid who got bullied, you know, sort of fighting back and everyone goes Ooh, in the playground. Do you know what I mean? And there's always going to be a bit of a kickback. But it is also becoming a thing where that's a significant amount of red cards. And mm-hmm. as much as it's, it's, it's a culture change, it also shouldn't come at such a high price. Absolutely. Definitely. Uh, I think that's a refereeing issue rather than a, a club issue because I don't think that the club can, you know, I don't think the club can judge for stupid red cards like the David Louise one and, um, and other moments. Uh, some of them are, are people losing their heads. You know, I remember Pepe last season against Burnley, Xhaka against Burnley, the Leno red card in the Wolves game after David Luiz gets sent off. You know, we're talking about half of the red cards we've been received are players who are being moved out of the club, just absolutely losing their noggins yeah. at points. So it's difficult, but something... It, we need to uh, we need better referees because we need to get rid of this idea of of, of perception in the in the game of, of a team. Oh, Burnley are a physical team. That doesn't mean that they get to commit two or three red card challenges a game and not get punished for it. Yeah, there is an industry standard for a yeah. reason. Yeah. Like there is there is an industry standard. There are rules and regulations that you could look to and go. Okay, he's got in. Uh, recklessly without control with one foot studs up that is a red card challenge because his studs are up and he's out of control of motion Mm. you know there there are there are set things that that they have to work with but the fact that they've worked in the premier league for so long and that they have been impunable for so long has meant that they in themselves have it's not it's not a perception of fans because fans can't have an impact on it it's the perception that the referees have they've been there for so long that they have created perceptions mm. of clubs in their own heads and if there was more turnover and then they referee as well. those yeah. perceptions they referee those perceptions they don't referee what's actually going on it's a really good point and 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 similar to what we were saying you know it's the same 12 geezers like well, that tells us something. There's, there's a, there's an issue there. So we need to, you know, and if, and if people were changing consistently, you wouldn't have, um, you know, and you need experienced referees, and I understand that. But you, but you also need people with fresh ideas and fresh perspectives. Ronaldo should have been sent off twice this season. Yeah, the one against and hasn't Nicholson and, and hasn't been. Yeah, and it hasn't been because it's Ronaldo because of the perception yeah. of Ronaldo. Yeah. No, I, I, I. I if that, if that is, if that is, Chris Wood for Burnley. He's off, even though it's Burnley, and there's this perception that Burnley are a physical team. He's off, so you, and 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 it's. Are you suggesting Ronaldo and Chris Wood are not held in the same regard in the game? No, I think Chris Wood is is a much better forward. Yeah, he's he's the goat. He's the real goat. Um, how much they paying you? Was going around the stadium, and fair enough. And then this just started to knock it around us. I thought Xhaka was doing quite well defensively. A couple of times, Tierney got spun by Mares. Um. I don't want to plant a seed of doubt about Tierney. I, I'm not 100% convinced on his defensive capabilities. I always rate him going forward, but I'm still not like 100% secure on him heading backwards, um, especially in these games. I I, it's also, it's I also difficult when he's sometimes so far out of position. Yeah, definitely. But I'd like 1v1. Like I'd much rather yeah. have a Maitland Niles or a Tommy Asu or a, do you know what I mean? Like an insert, to be honest. Like I, I don't rate him really defensively. I think 
he's a good player and he gets the assist for the goal. Like, you know, a, a fantastic guy, but and a great character. But I just I hope he can work and work work on the defensive side of his game. Um and then they get mm-hmm. the goal and it's just <laughs> fucking heartbreaking. But we we know that ultimately we would have accepted it if you said to me before a 2-1 loss where there is content- with an amazing performance amazing yeah. performance and contentious refereeing decisions and a changing perception of Arsenal and showing that we can go toe-to-toe with these guys I would have taken it and and without our manager and I, and I want to say I've received um, uh, 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 where are we I've received 246 likes on this tweet Brad so it means that I'm right just remember that uh, two years, two trophies, a completely revamped, youthful and energetic team, a pandemic to deal with, a fan base reconnected, first professional managerial job, Mikel Arteta, take a bow. And I think yeah. that's I, uh... it's fair play to him because, you know, Airport Albert, yeah. we love you, but I did miss Mikel as well and his energy. And that says something. No, I uh, I have I have nothing to disagree with, other than you, when you first wrote the tweet, you wrote two titles and same thing. You know what I meant? Also, spun my head. No, it's Rodri not. should have had a no, fucking Rodri should have had about fifteen yellow cards, and the fact he took his shirt off and got a yellow, and that wasn't his sending off, was irksome. Let's say that. Yeah, irksome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, irksome FC. Anything uh, else on the game, Bradley? That round. Nothing from me. Nothing from me. Well done to the boys. You did us proud today. Well done to the lads. We will see you after this. News and views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, please subscribe, turn on, not- turn on notifications. Easy for me to say. Leave us a review. And if you like, you can support us on Patreon, where you get access to ad-free and ad-free filmed versions of the podcast. And in January, for the brand new price Ooh. of just £3 a month to support the show monthly. Please support the show monthly. We oh. really, really appreciate it if you could. Uh, it's general support and you get access to ad-free and ad-free vil- filmed versions of the podcast. We'd appreciate it very much. And for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com where you can... Buy me a coffee. Anything you can give helps the podcast. The links are in the show description. Um, we are... Where are we? Arsenal FC 1971 says that penalty cost us in so many ways. It conceded a first goal, a first yellow for Gabriel Martinelli and probably why there was a six minute injury. Still love my club. Hope we can learn and grow more from this as Rocky would say. Indeed. Well said at Deb's 51st parallel. We love you Deb's boys were brilliant party man of the match. Um, big up Debs big up Debs Diff Knock fan of the year oh what a legend 2021 oh yeah the, what a legend uh, we're doing Diff Knock awards so Debs you can have that one uh, at, yeah at Yank Gunner says there's nothing to do but get behind our boys love their effort and applaud their spirit we are Arsenal I completely agree uh, and Octoguna says is Brandon getting off from the Arteta train at this station do you uh, do you want to do you want to play the, the quote of the of what I of what I said or well, no, you, you listen. You you're, you're being asked by the by the by the by the listeners, Brad. You gotta you gotta front up. You gotta front up to the media. Choo choo, bitches. Choo choo, bitches. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> um, just a quick moment to laugh at Chelsea with Lukaku. I mean, oh. the curse, the curse of the Chelsea number nine. Ah. Oh. It never gets. It's old. beautiful. It's it's fucking beautiful. The fact that we saw. 
Chelsea fans raving on about going, oh, you know, this is a Chelsea boy. He kisses the badge, da, ba, 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 and he's absolutely mugging you off. He'd have rather have gone to a Barcelona team that look about as useful as a chocolate fire guard right now than go to you. How do you feel? I love it when it's other clubs. I hate yeah. it when it's Arsenal, but this is beautiful. We can enjoy it. That's the, that's the point of football, Brad. Come on. Bit of, bit of fun. Friendly rivalry. Um, transfer window is open. I'm... Yes. Cautiously optimistic. We'll do something. I think we'll see more on the outgoing side. I, I hope Balogun goes out on loan. Um, mm. I hope we can get some kind of deal from Ketia. I did see something saying that Newcastle were looking at a buy, a loan to buy option for... Um, a Bamiang for 20 million which if we can get an obligation for say 15 I'd, I'd, I'd take 100% um, yeah an obligation for 10 yeah mate for five, five, five just point. getting him yeah. when it comes to his age and his wages getting him off yeah. the bill is the important thing if you get a fee for him you get a fee for him yeah um, look we'd all love a central midfielder or a centre forward I'm not holding out hope Um I think if, if something happens, it will be a situation in the same way that the Odegaard thing was last season. I'm sure we're monitoring hundreds and hundreds of players and just seeing what happens. And think, I think the, si- and the situation will be in France as well with the financial difficulties that clubs are going through and Italy. Those two countries at the moment are... Yeah. There's so many deals to be had purely because clubs are so desperate for money. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think we've been a little bit more opportunistic um mm. recently and and i and i hope we can be uh, we can continue to do that yeah it's it's a wait and see job I, I i don't really have anything to particularly say on it i'm just um i'm tailoring and tempering my expectations because I, I i don't think that said though arsenal do tend to have pretty strong january windows like it, we tend to do something um and i appreciate sometimes that is dennis suarez but sometimes it's martin odegaard so who knows but um mm. yeah we'll see if you could pick one position to strengthen, who what would it be? With the, with the first choice, yeah, with somebody to slot into the the first eleven permanent deal. Do you know what? I think it would be centre forward because I think if we got say a twenty goal a season, which would now be what you know maybe someone gets 10, 15 goals a season striker. Say we got Calvert Lewin and he hit the ground running. And some people like sort of, you know, warn against it because it's like, well, you know, they might not get in and, you know, know, they take some time to adapt. It's like, well, if you have someone who needs two, three months to adapt to your style of play, I feel like you've you've kind of... Get that out of the way this season. Yeah, get that out of the way this season. But also, are they the right person for you if they're going to take that long to, like, do anything on a football pitch? I don't really really buy that. Um, But also, yeah, I just think, you know, the central midfield thing, if we get Ainsley Witten and Nas out, let's say at the end of January, we've got Partey back from the uh, African Cup of Nations. We've got Elneny back. We've got Sambi. We've got Xhaka. We've got Lekonga. I think we're we're fine in that position and we need an upgrade. We need that in the summer. We need it last summer, but we can sort of wait for that. I just think if we got, I say, a Dominic Calvert-Lewin in, we're looking so tasty up front and there's a real um, there's a real energy about us and a real sort of strength about us. What about you? I think I'd be central midfield, uh, mainly because I think centre forward is the different. Brad, oh, uh, I think centre forward is the most pressing issue. Uh, but um, I think it's more a case of with Afcon with injuries, we could be left dangerously thin. And I think Lacazette and Enketia and 
if Aubameyang gets brought back in for six months, if we don't bring him out, could do enough of a job with the players around them doing what they do. Whereas I think the one, but again, if we get through January with no injuries to our central midfielders and then get party and, and El Nenny back, I'd, I'd, I'd be all for just going for a centre forward. So it's, it's such a situational thing, but I'm going to say central midfield. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Uh, okay. Bradley, have we done the different Ock Awards before? Did we do it last year? I don't know. I don't. I can't remember us doing it. I think. I think this is the first year. It was a depressing time. It I was. think we did end of season awards. End of season awards. So welcome to the inaugural Diffnock Calendar Year Awards. <laughs> oh, the glitz! Oh, the glamour! We have four categories to uh, to hand out. Bradley and I have gone away. We've had a think. The four categories are our fuck's sake of the year. That is for our moment that made us say fuck's sake. Our goal of the year, pretty self-explanatory. Our moment of the year, anything around the football club and our player of the year. Uh, Bradley, would you like to go first for your... See, well, yeah, seeing as it's the end of the year, seeing as we've 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 come into 2022 now, uh, we've had... Um, a mixed bag of 2021, but 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 sort of positive towards the end. Your sort of quick overall reflections on 2021 before we get into the awards. Um, it's been an interesting year in the sense that I think with when you look at the points tally, we seem to be doing very well. But I don't, I, I, don't, I don't feel like we mm. we've been the fourth best team in the country across a, a year, um, in the league, but. We have. That's obviously wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's it sometimes. I think it. This is this is showing that sometimes you need to to ratify what you feel about the club and your own personal feelings with um, data and and see you know and sometimes accept that you know it's a, it is a results based business. Of course, those results could dry up, but you have to take them as they come. And on results, with a fourth with a fourth best team over the the year, which means fuck all uh, and gets us fuck all, really. <laughs> but, you know, onwards and upwards. Uh, tw- I think 2021 has been a, a, a tough year for, for the club and a lot of people. And I think that the club is currently on a real upwards trajectory and I, I'm very, very happy for it. Yep, yep. Okay, your comments to 2021. Obviously very tough for a lot of people and I'm hoping next year will be a lot better. Um, and in terms of Arsenal... um. Yeah, I, 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 I feel very positive about it, and I, and I don't know whether, you know, I'm, I'm generally quite a positive fan, but I do feel as though we've, we've, the biggest issues for me. If you'd asked me two years ago what I felt was wrong at the club were the executive structure and how that's all working and the accountability there and the points of failure and, and sort of who's what's going on and the personalities at that level, which I feel now at least we can look to. If the technical stuff is going wrong, we know who to blame. Um, if the football negotiations stuff is going wrong we know to look at Richard Garlick there's a clear outline strategy thing mm. Vin, uh, <clears throat> sorry he's got COVID I haven't uh, Vinay um, you know sending out messages his new year messages and that sort of stuff I think he's communicating with the fans and I, I really appreciate that and also on the sort of football side of things the culture has massively changed and shifted you know Ramsdale in the interview yesterday said you know we don't fear anyone we're a young team we don't fear anyone and I think that is the the crucial thing we're a team that is young and hungry and we're not giving away oh sorry we're young 
and hungry and we're Brad just rolled his eyes at my Hamilton reference um, no but we're we're a young and yeah I can't say anything other than scrappy and hungry but we are a very exciting and dynamic young team that I think has so much room for growth and I think there's there's no reason to feel anything but happiness and potential at, at, at what could be so 2022 let's be Avenue let's be Avenue hey. Honestly, connection, mate. Honestly, unbelievable. Uh, let's do the first award. Let's do it. This is our fuck's sake of the year award. Bramley, would you like to go first? Uh, I'll let you go first because I have two, and if you say mine, that's fine. Okay, okay. Mine was. Willian's free kick against West Brom. And I'll tell you why. Because I know it went in, and I know it was a good goal. But where the fuck was that the whole time he was at Arsenal? Fuck him. That was my fuck's sake moment. What was yours, Brad? Uh, mine was, uh, well, uh, the, the main one was Danny Ceballos in the Europa League doing the same thing oh, twice and heading it. Oh, hell, yeah. Yeah. That was mine. Oh, the second yeah. one more than the first, because you can allow someone one mistake, but to do the same thing in the same competition, two two fucking rounds in a row. Oh, I, when when that happened, I remember exactly where I was, exactly how I, I lost my fucking head. I went mental. Danny Ceballos, mate. He feels like I, years I, I called, ago now. I called, yeah, I called him some very, very choice things that I, 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 I hasten. <laughs> I remember what I called him and I hasten to say it again. Um, yeah. Our next award, Bradley, is the award for goal of the year. Bradley, your winner, please. My winner is Gabriel for the header. I think it's against uh, is it Slavia Prague yes. in the Europa League. That uh, and uh, I'll give you my rationale. The reason I went for this is I think it's the most unique goal I've seen in a, in an Arsenal shirt. Yeah, in in the last twelve months, we, you know, I, I I had a toss up with the long range banger. I think that was in the same game from Erdegaard, his first goal for Arsenal. Uh, but I think that that goal is is a thing of beauty something that i've i've not seen in an arsenal shirt for a, for a long time and it's it's a real piece of, of technique and uh yeah that's my goal of the season were you just on like the europa league highlights for the for when i sent you this this list to do three th- three of my moments are from, <laughs> from the europa league and i think that's very endemic of where we were last okay, year i think we might have the same moment for the third one um uh and my goal of the season is well i was stuck between two so I've gone for two, and I'm the host, damn it, so I can choose. Um, you could do what you want. want for, well, to, I'll, I'll split it up into two things. An individual moment of brilliance was Kieran Tierney's goal against West Brom. I know it was the beginning of the season, uh, right mm. at the beginning of the calendar year. I think it was like, the, I think it was, was it New Year's Day? Maybe it was New Year's Day. Um, in the snow, cuts inside, on his weak foot, and it was just such, and he, he kind of typifies, we'd just been through that really shit run and we got a really solid win and it really it was a proper like fucking get in there moment it was a springboard it was a springboard it really was, what was the cup. it really was and he i think it was daniel Dan, darnell furlong he was absolutely rinsing uh so uh good vibes um um in terms of what a vibe where are you going what a vibe 
Let's be having you. Um, my, and my system goal is the Lacazette one against Southampton recently. I think you can't mm. sum up Arteta, what Arteta was trying to do any better than that. And it was a great bit mm. of play right out from the back. Ramsdale, I think it's like Gabriel out to Tomiyasu to Partey to, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a really nice team goal and well finished and by someone who has, yeah, been, a, has been a great servant to the club. Um, so, so fair play to him. Bramley, our next award is for moment of the year. Do we have the same one? I think we do. Um, do we... Lacazette. It is... Yeah, yeah. Lacazette. Yeah. That photo. Yeah. Standing for for justice, for rights, for, 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 for more words that mean so much to, to more people than... than could ever be said. Um, I think that's one of the most powerful things I've seen in, you know, in an Arsenal shirt for a long, long time. And that, no matter how the season ended, no matter whatever, no matter where he goes or, or that moment of strength is encapsulated for a lifetime in this football club. Yep. It, it's it's a mark on our history. Yep. And it's one of the most important images in Arsenal's history. And I think I think we should really celebrate it. I hope in some way, um at some point I hope it's put around the stadium. You know, I just think it's a it's a an incredible image, an incredible moment of of, of defiance and fair play to Lacazette. And it's the moment of the year, definitely. Final award, Brad. Player of the year. Would you like to go first? No, you go first. Oh. Go on. Go on. It's ESR. It has to be. In terms of the calendar year for 2021, it has to be Emil Smith-Rowe because we've seen Bukayo Saka. We know what Saka does. In 2019, we expected him to do what he did in 2020. In 2020, we hoped and prayed he could do what he did in 2021 and he did. And you know we there was a there was an expectation which he's fulfilled and he continues to fulfil and that, that's not taking away from him he's probably my player of the season so far but in terms of the player of the year calendar year twenty twenty one from the twenty sixth of December someone to come in and and really switch up that attack and really add some in- injection of energy and pace and youthful exuberance taking that number ten shirt delivering the way he's done this year it has to be Emil Smith Rowe. I think he's what is he fourth fourth in the top scorer charts from midfield, and he's not he's on on the bench half the time. It's unbelievable. Yeah, um, that was my first choice. Uh, so I'll go with my second choice. No, we can have the is, same one, Brad. Why not? It's all right. It's all right. We gotta make it different. Okay. I'll go with our boy, the dearest Ramsey boy. Only been here for six months, but uh, made it into the Sofa Score Team of the Year as the highest rated goalkeeper by sofa score across the top five European leagues. If that does not spell how much of a gem we have on our hands, I don't know what will. But yeah, I agree. ESR is definitely player of the year. Um, but I think Ramsdale as a second choice isn't too bad. Or Saka for what he's, he's done across, you know, the last two or three years, yep. getting himself to the Euros and winning, you know, four Man of the Match awards in his first eight England games or something stupid like that. But I think if if 2020 is the year of Saka, 2021 is definitely the year of ESR. Yeah, 100%. Well, that concludes the Different Not Calendar 
Year Awards. Needs to give us a snappier title than that. How do you think uh, Emil Smith Rowe will respond to being named different Not Calendar Year Player of the Year? I think it will be an award that's so dear to his heart he puts it on his fridge. Okay, Bradley, we've just got time for a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Last time I asked you, oh, what a bit of podcasting. Which level of Youth World Cup did Emile Smith-Rowe win with England? Was it A, under-16s, B, under-17s, C, under-18s, or D, under-19s? Which level of Youth World Cup did Emile Smith-Rowe win with England? Under-18s. It was under 17s. Oh. Ah, it. He won it with, you know that guy? No, he didn't. I'm chatting shit. Ignore me. I was about to mention um, Lookman, who looks who looks decent at Leicester. Uh, seems to have found his, found his feet there. He's one of those players who like gets signed by a club and then gets loaned out and then gets signed by them and, they get, and then gets loaned out. He's been at like Fulham, Leipzig... Uh, he's at Everton. I think he was at yeah. He was at Leicester. He was at Leicester now. Like he's just one of those players. But he, anyway, I, I mentioned him because he won a Youth World Cup. It's a pointless exercise to mention him, Brad. I'll just move on. Um, yeah, we're going to move yeah, on. Uh, and goodbye. Thank- <laughs> <laughs> Your question for next time is the Busby Babes Manchester United team famously played at Highbury five days before the Munich air disaster. But what was the score? The Busby Babes Manchester United team famously played at Highbury five days before the Munich air disaster. But what was the score? Bramley. A pleasure, as always. As always. As, and here's to 2022, my here's friend. Here's to 2022. Let's make it a, b- a big one. There is a Liverpool game on Thursday. We'll have a podcast after that. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you feeling about it? I don't really care. Bloody hell, you're odd. It's Carabao Cup, isn't it? I don't care about I the Carabao win, Cup. I want to win, though. I feel like if it was I, like I West Ham, I wouldn't care. But because it's Liverpool, I just... I think I've got a bit of like an inferiority complex. I just want to beat them, even if they're playing like Minamino and Kelleher. Do you know what I mean? Which they will be. Let's, let's clarify. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not really bothered. Whatever happens, happens. What will be, will be. Bloody hell, you're odd. Uh, well... Listen, thank you so much for joining us in 2021. Thank you uh, for all your support on the podcast. We really appreciate it. We've got plenty more to come this year, getting bigger and better. Uh, Brad, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. As always. Another year. Another year. And much more to come. Thanks, as always, for listening. Keep it different, Knock. And we will see you later. Peace. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.